Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, Cole. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, let's go already, Ken Flo, huh? I mean, long pre-show meeting today, guys. What are we doing? Is my mic peaking? I don't think it is. Good to be with you. Tuesday, December 6th, 2022 is the year. Episode 375 of the Anakin Florian podcast featuring Kenny Florian. Man, a lot of people in the comments are talking about your looks at whatever advanced age you are, born 1976. Do you ever read the comments, Kenny? Uh, every once in a while. Every once in a while. I'll tell you what. I feel old. I, I, I did a little uh, running. Like, I haven't run in a long time. I was doing some, right. like, 
drills and stuff, sprinting, sore as hell. Like that, that I, I didn't run a lot and I'm sore. That's how you know you're old. So yeah, I'm feeling it today. Dude. Well, that makes me feel good because I know that in terms of optimizing muscle mass, the amount I run actually is not good. Um, but right. I do know that running is a full body workout. And it as is. I think Santino DeFranco and others have said, it's hard from like step three. To whatever degree, it could be 1% hard, but as soon as you start yeah. going, it's a pain in the f***ing ass, you know? Right. I do it most days, I can tell you. It's not fun any day I do it. Uh, but it's good to be back with you folks. We have a lot to get to. I feel like we're already up against the clock. That's why that pre-show meeting, I mean, did it have to be that long, fellas? I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, talking oh, about nothing. And we're, and we're cursing in the, uh, in the first six minutes of the show, which algorithmically I know is really bad. I don't know what to tell people, right? <laughs> I don't know what to tell people. Focus on content here, not ratings. Uh, All right, so let's get into UFC Fight Night. Uh, Thompson versus Holland, and then, of course, picks from UFC 282, Blahovich versus Ankalaev. Ray Longo minute, of course. Hopefully, Cody connected with Ray, uh, and he'll be uh, on the screws coming up here at 1130 a.m. Eastern on a Tuesday. Uh, but quite a main event between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Kevin Trailblazer Holland, it ends 20 minutes in. Kevin Holland all banged up. And uh, unlike what I said on the broadcast about his corner, it seemed as though it was his decision at that point in time. Just can't fight on. And I don't blame him candidly at that point in time. Tremendous toughness, otherworldly. So impressed with what Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is able to do. I guess particularly at this age, right, to still have that speed and whip on this variance of kicks. Your thoughts on the main event, my man? Yeah, listen, uh, there's a lot to unpack. I think that for anybody who's facing someone like a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, it's difficult enough if you have four arms and four legs, uh, being down with, with one hand and having to deal with all the different weapons that Wonderboy uh, comes into the octagon with is a big problem. This is a kid who's been doing striking, been doing karate since he was a little kid, since he can basically walk. So he, he's so good at moving around and finding angles. And I think this was one of those performances, performances from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson where it shows his ability to adapt. And he's this, you know, good looking kid who's known as this karate guy. But man, is he tough as well. He took some damage. Uh, he went against a, a Kevin Holland in round one that was landing some really heavy strikes. And he had to make adjustments out there, did the right things out there. And unfortunately for Kevin Holland, he ended up breaking his hand, it seemed like. And uh, Wonderboy just ended up taking over, was, was doling out a lot of damage down to the body, to the legs, upstairs. That left hand and that finish with that jab as he was finding an angle is just a thing of beauty. Looked like... Uh, you know, uh, Manny Pacquiao in his prime uh, with that little combination. But yeah, Wonder Boy's amazing, man. 39 years old and doing that against uh, a younger fighter, very dangerous fighter, very tall and large fighter in the welterweight division. Uh, Wonder Boy's amazing. So I don't know when Wonder Boy's going to retire. It might even be six years from now, Kenny, at 45 years of age. Honestly, if he's only fighting once or 1.75 times a year, it stands to reason that he could fight for a while. But I do think eventually when he retires, he has said it's going to be his father Ray's decision. Obviously, his dad's mm. been coaching him since he was 15. And I think when that time comes, it might be pretty quick, right? All of a sudden, Ray will see something in one fight that he doesn't like, and that'll be that. But we are very far from that. And we're going to spin this thing forward in a second. But I do want to talk about this fight, and particularly when it comes to Kevin Holland, because certainly a lot of talking heads are going to talk about his fight IQ and everything else. I would first like to talk to you 
about the pre-fight cordiality, if that's even a word, right? Mm. Just some, and I had a conversation with Dean Thomas about this yesterday. I filled it on the UFC's podcast, just about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is the nicest motherfucker out there, right? And likes to befriend you and become your friend. These guys, Kenny, not only were they as close as I've ever seen two guys during a fight week, but certainly for headlining athletes, supposedly their rooms were next to each other. They were seeking each other out. And I have to share this with the audience and the nature oh of uh, journalistic integrity, if nothing else. You know, I see a lot of things and I saw Wonderboy get off the elevator at one point in time and Kevin Holland has a camera crew with him the whole time. The dude's like seeking out his opponent because he likes him and I don't blame him. I enjoy hanging out with Kevin Holland, too. You know, wouldn't mind smoking a joint with the guy, but it's crazy, man. It's juxtaposed against guys like you in DC that just uh, don't quite understand that rationale before a fight. Yeah, listen, I don't want to go in there and befriend my opponent. I don't want to get into that mindset. I, I experienced that, you know, with the ultimate fighter of, of thinking this guy's my friend or whatever. Listen, at the end of the day, you you have to be prepared to destroy that guy across from you. Any ounce of weakness or friendship um, could be the end of you. In, in my opinion, that's the way I kind of uh, would approach it. But it also could be a weapon as well. I am going to be nice to you. I am going to let your guard down. And in doing so, I make you vulnerable to me going out there and destroying you. So... Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I would know. We used to talk about this all the time with uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. He would always try to go out there, give a little hug, a pound before he would perform better as he would make you more comfortable. In my opinion, he would try to make you friendly. Everything's cool. And then he would perform better. He just seemed to be doing better against people like that. Perhaps Wonderboy has that same approach. I don't know. But um, yeah, for me, I want to be as far away from my opponent as possible. I, I, I tried to keep it that way anyway. Let's make one of the greatest strikers in UFC history super comfortable as if it's a sparring session. Let's do that, right? So you could say, what are we doing here? You know, and some fans are coming at me saying, what is this, an exhibition, right? Kevin Holland doesn't necessarily... He's not emotionally attached to winning and losing, certainly not as much as he was in December of 2020 when he was ripping off a 5-0 and year and he beat Jacare Souza and it looked like he could maybe win a belt, right? He doesn't seem to have those championship aspirations right now, mm-hmm. and I think that dovetails more with his approach in the fight. Obviously, late, his injuries necessitated maybe that he wrestle a little bit, but... I don't know, man. I don't really know what to make of Kevin Holland at this stage of things, Kenny. He's super active. He can bounce between weight classes. He can make weight. He's promotionally reliable. He's durable as hell. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, But mentally, he just seems very different than a lot of these other athletes insofar as he doesn't seem, you know, driven by uh, by the belt anymore. I I wonder if he's even driven by the win in a lot of ways, just because of some of the decision-making he was making in that fight against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Here you are. You're a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. You have finally one of the finest strikers to ever enter the octagon on his back, not once, twice, three times, Uh and you decide to step out of there and and let him back up. It's like I I, I don't understand that at all. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to prove something to himself that is is greater than the win. 
Um, if that's the case, hey, power to you, man. Um, but at the same time, we can't <clears throat> complain about our, our record or our approach or how the UFC is treating us in, in some ways if we take an approach of saying, I am just here to entertain or I'm going to fight a certain way. There's going to be repercussions. There's repercussions for every decision we make. But I don't know. In my opinion, if I'm taking this fight and I'm able to fight someone like a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and obviously phenomenal striker and I get him on the ground, I am not letting that dude up. I am trying to beat him at the best of my ability, however I can, whenever I can. I'm trying to submit that dude or or pound him out. And uh, Holland is letting him up. I, I just didn't understand that approach. Um, I, I would like to, but um, I don't know. It, it was a little strange to me. All right. Entertaining fight for the masses. Steven Wonderboy Thompson came in number six in the world. Kevin Holland was unranked. Hey, what's that expression like? You can't have your cake and eat it too. What does that even mean? What does it mean? <laughs> Do you know what it means? I, I, I guess that uh, you can't have it all. You, you can't decide to, uh, you know, I, I guess it's like, uh, you know, I, I can't decide to go, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an exciting fighter out there, but then I'm going to complain that fans, you know, aren't uh, giving me the shine or the UFC is not giving me the ability to go out and do this. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and again, to just to talk about Wonder Boy in, in in what I saw, I did see a Wonder Boy that was a step slower. I, I've been seeing it a little bit, but in this fight, yes, he, he's just so damn good and so technical and so experienced that he can do that to someone like Kevin Holland. But in what I was watching, I still saw um, a Wonder Boy that's a step slower than what we used to see. So that's a little concerning for me. Um, I, I, I still think he beats, you know, 90% of the strikers out there. He's just that good. Yeah. But I did see a Wonder Boy that's a little bit slower. And when you rely on your speed, similar to Anderson Silva, Roy Jones Jr. when he was boxing, if you rely on your speed so much, if that has been a weapon for you um, for a long time, and now that has slowed down significantly, you're going to take a lot more damage. I would argue that Stephen Wonder Boy from three, five, seven years ago wouldn't take that same amount of damage against a Kevin Holland from today. He took a lot of damage in this fight and it'll take him a while to recover right in terms yeah. of the hand and everything else but good on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson all right so thank you Cody for this courtesy of Wikipedia this is what I was looking for to sort of get into our next conversation yeah, I did not answer here. that well no you're good so the proverb you cannot simultaneously retain possession of a cake and eat it too once the cake is eaten it is gone it can be used to say that one cannot have two incompatible things or that one should not try to have more than is reasonable. The proverb's meaning is similar to the phrases, you can't have it both ways. Yes, okay, thank you. You can't eat your cake and simultaneously still have the cake. I love it. All right, so here's the point. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson wants to contend in the UFC's welterweight division. He also, I think, has an appetite for matchups that afford him the opportunity to showcase his striking, especially at this stage of his career. He's number six in the world, right? Forget guys that he has already fought in the top echelon right ranked above him right now Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad obviously not going to fight those guys not going to fight Colby Covington nor Kamar Usman nor Leon Edwards right now and by the way were he to fight Leon Edwards Leon Edwards would probably try to wrestle him and take him down to be sure Hamzat Shimaev is in there as well um that fight is not going to be made so when I look at the top 15 Ken Flo there is Jorge Masvidal obviously there at number 11 that name sort of resonates I mean he's not going to fight Sean Brady right 
Michelle Pareda, number 14 in the world, is the guy that I would like to see Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight. Perhaps they do it over five rounds. I do think it stands to reason that Pareda would grapple in that setting, right? But I don't think Wonderboy Thompson can simultaneously contend and fight a striker at welterweight. I think everybody in the top 15, essentially, at this point is going to try to wrestle him. And I don't want gentlemen's agreements with a guy like Michel Pareda. So what are your thoughts on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, who still has championship aspirations in his own mind? Yeah, I, I think that he wants the good fights. Um a championship fight is going to bring in more money. It's going to bring in um, more more of what he seeks out. Is that really what he wants? I don't necessarily believe that. I, I think he wants good fights to finish out the rest of his career. Um, that's why he's calling out a striker. And um, I, I think that one of the guys on that list would be uh, uh, Michel Pereira. I, I think that um, Pereira is okay at, at grappling, but I think that he is a guy that uh, would probably try to stand up and, and trade with someone like uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But as you mentioned, what of those fights are advantageous to him? He's fought Jeff Neal. He's already uh, fought Jorge Masvidal, right? Um, yep. And I don't know. So a lot of those big fights that he's been seeking out – I don't think are available for him uh, right now. So, and Pereira, who is number 14, is that a, a good fight for him? Maybe it could be a UFC f in fight night main event, stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I, I think Wonderboy needs to decide what he actually wants and what he can actually accomplish at this stage of the game. I, I don't think he's going to get a title shot at this stage of the game, even though he's a big name and, and a fun guy to watch. They're yeah. just so much competition at 170 pounds right now where he just kind of needs to say, you know what, just give me fun fights. And that's cool. That's fine. You want to do that? That's cool. Uh, Wonder Boy is an absolute legend. He deserves that, I think. Um, but at the same time, you have to be very careful of not hanging around too long because it's then when it, it's going to be that lens in which people perceive you. Right. We, we, we don't need to talk about the BJ Pens and all those people that have stuck around too long. And now they're no longer in the GOAT conversation because they're viewing them through those last few fights. That, that, you know what I mean? That specialness, that that uniqueness is gone. So interesting. And you're so right about BJ, <clears throat> who in his prime, you know, you fought him on the night that he was at the height of motivation. Why? Why did we have why did Team Florian have to fight? <laughs> Be the BJ Penn, who, in terms of his strength and conditioning, was more motivated than ever before. Like, did we have to have the most motivated? You know, he knew because Ken Flo was a badass. He knew he needed to be his best. Those are facts, folks. You know, those are not rose-colored glasses. I want to wear shades today, kind of. Looking kind of tired. All right, I didn't intend to spend that much time on the main event, but uh, because we were in Orlando, to quote the great Orlando Magic public address announcer, what's his name? I don't know. But stand and cheer for Rafael Dos fucking Anjos, man. Right? I mean, is this just like jujitsu training camp, jujitsu win, like finish, moving on up? Top five all time wins for RDA. I can't wait for his Hall of Fame night. You know, you never know how the UFC Hall of Fame is going to shake out. You know, as I forecast, maybe them building a Hall of Fame class around Rafael Dos Anjos in the next five to seven years. I don't know. But this dude's a Hall of Famer and he adds to his legacy with a win in the co-main event here against Brian Barberini. Your thoughts? I would argue there's a lot of people in that welterweight division that would have struggled against Brian Barberina based on his toughness, his ability to just stand around, you know, stay in there and, and hang in there and take punishment. 
RDA is a different level of fighter. That's when you can see a different class of fighter. When you see someone who is highly technical, highly experienced, knows how to put it all together and figure out a way to get you the hell out of there. Not try to fight you, but I'm trying to go out there and get you the hell out of there. That's what RDA was able to do with his set of skills against a guy in Barbarena who is tough as hell. So um, RDA, I, I, again, established himself as an elite competitor, still looked fantastic, uh, was, fun to, was fun to watch as well. He was aggressive and was just all over Barbarena, never really allowed Barbarena into that fight. I just have so much respect for Rafael Dos Anjos, right? Comes to California. I believe he attains U.S. US citizenship in 2019 but now has been living back in Brazil for several years because it's better for his family. It's better for training. He's aligned with Andre Pedroneras and Nova Uniao, and uh, they just have it dialed in, man. They really do. And I'm very happy for uh, for Dos Anjos. I'm not sure he's going to get the Conor McGregor fight that he asked for. Now, when that fight was supposed to happen in and around 2015, if I'm not mistaken, my appetite for that fight was off the charts. I can't say that I have the appetite for it right now, necessarily. I mean, I think it'd be great. RDA deserves to call his shot. I just think that Conor McGregor probably is going to go in a different direction. But uh, what are your thoughts on RDA now spinning it forward at welterweight? And, uh, you know, do you think there's any uh, any juice to him and Conor somehow, some way, signing on the dotted line to, uh, to get, get that one back? I, I love the call out. Marketing-wise, promotional-wise, I don't know if that's going to be the direction that Conor McGregor and the UFC go. I also think it's a very dangerous fight for Conor McGregor. I, I think that RDA can beat you in a lot of different ways. I, I do think Conor McGregor has the edge on the feet, but I, I would see RDA have the ability to take him down repeatedly as well, control him on the ground, tire him out, uh, and ultimately get some kind of a finish. So I think it's a dangerous fight for Connor. Uh, could Connor win too? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think if you're looking at what your best matchups are to make promotionally, uh, and if I'm Connor McGregor, I don't think that's the direction that uh, I would go. Uh, I think it seems like he's leaning more towards a Dustin Poirier uh, fourth fight. Um, so, I, I don't know. But for RDA, I don't know. Give him another big fight. Put him on another, uh, you know, put him put him on a main event somewhere against uh, against another great fighter. I, I would love to see it. I don't know. Would, would, would he fight Wonderboy? Does that make sense? Have they fought before? I, I mean. You're talking about Wonderboy and. Uh, RDA? And Con. Oh, yeah. I guess that would make some sense. But no, no, I don't think that's what I uh, see Wonderboy Thompson's looking for, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, know. I don't think it is either. <laughs> Dump city, right? Matt return, Matt return. <laughs> yeah. But Conor McGregor and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson stylistically, I think, is a cool fight. But I don't want Conor yes. to fight, uh, you know, the nicest dude on the roster at all. Right. Right. <laughs> And it was interesting because Dean Thomas was talking about Tyron Woodley in the lead up to the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight that he sort of created this narrative that Wonderboy was fake, even though they knew that he was as real as it gets yeah. just to try to develop some animosity because we're not trying to be friends here necessarily. Right. But, uh, hey, I love Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You know, I'm just sort of echoing my opinion uh, as a UFC fan as far as all that is concerned. Uh, how about Sir Sergey Pavlovich? All right. So Team Florian's got a heavyweight. And you got to beat this guy. So if you don't know the story now, uh, it's another knockout for Sergey Pavlovich. This one over tied to Ivasa 54 seconds in. 
And I hope people are making money on this guy, right? In terms of betting him early, right? In these knockout round one propositions. UFC debut at 26 against Alistair Overeem. Then he missed a couple of years due to myriad issues. And now he's got five straight wins and, uh, you know, seems to be the boogeyman, at least right now, the heavyweight division. What are your thoughts on Pavlovich? So too fast, too powerful uh, for Ty. I was thinking that maybe uh, Ty could land a shot as Pavlovich, you know, hurts him and come back. But there's just too much firepower. That dude is an absolute savage, a proper heavyweight who hits hard. That's extremely fast. And he's going to be an interesting dude, man. That That's a tough guy to beat. I, I, I'd. I wouldn't stand up with that guy for too long. Put him on his back, see what he has there, uh, because he's going to catch a lot of people, man. It's a dangerous dude. So it's interesting. I try to look for a heavyweight who maybe could exercise some patience, a Seattle gone type. Right. Curtis Blades would be an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. You give him the most decorated wrestler, at least takedown-wise, in UFC heavyweight history. Tom Aspinall's on the mend. Derek Lewis needs a fight. Been there, done that, though, right? I mean, Sergey Pavlovich is getting awfully close to a championship opportunity, and uh, I do think he has some personality. If he could lean into the English a little bit, I really think it would serve him well. I don't know if they'll give him Curtis Blades necessarily right now, but uh, yeah, very impressed by the heavyweight, needless to say. And uh, you don't have to go bonus begging, guys, but he did get the bonus. I do believe, generally speaking, unless you can craftily ask for the bonus in the post-fight interview in a subtle, thoughtful original way don't go bonus begging i think it it works against you you have to let the performance do the talking because i I don't know hey kenny if you were handing out the bonuses right as soon as somebody go hey man you know the first thing on the mic hey man you don't need that 50k it's like (laughs) no keep it about the martial arts right yeah all right we got to get to roman delizze longo's coming up any minute but we have to get to roman delizze so I'm writing my copy, my scripts before the fight. And all right, coming up next, you know, and all eyes on Roman Delize, whatever the hell I was saying. And what I wrote was that in terms of the pre-fight fighter meeting with a fighter, I've never been more intimidated than I was this Thursday. (laughs) And thankfully, my questions weren't too off-putting. And then what does this guy go out and do? Something that I had never seen before. So talk us through uh, Roman Delize's TKO Against Jack Hermanson. Hermanson was number eight in the world. Now Delize likely is going to take his number. I'm particularly impressed by the fact that here you have a guy who's pretty muscled out, um, has has the ability to knock you out as well, and can move so fluidly and be so relaxed on the ground, John. Uh, not only that, but he's extremely creative on the ground as well, and he's hitting high-level stuff. It shows to me that he is, is he's special on the ground he's not just uh, another dude you have to respect him tremendously whether on the feet or on the ground and to do that against a guy in hermanson i, I mean you, you just don't see a whole lot of people do that he was not afraid to go to the ground that was the other thing it was like okay you want to take me down that's cool i'll work off my back almost Went for this beautiful arm lock in round one, then went into that pendulum sweep right into the mount. And then the finish at the end, he hits him with the calf slicer. Oh, you want to turn away from me? Cool. How about I put you belly down into the canvas and try to separate your knee uh, from, you know, the lower part of your leg, but I'm going to pin you to the floor and uh, I'm going to ground and pound you. It was just, it was nasty, high level stuff. 
that was extremely impressive. Uh, and I can't wait to see him again, man. I've been sleeping on him. I, I, I haven't had my eyes on him. I will watch his next fight 100%. Love watching him fight. Oh, man. Guy's incredible. It's really going to be interesting, too, because I don't believe that Mick Maynard, I believe, handles the middleweights, if I'm not mistaken. I do not believe he's going to get a, a lot of phone calls. People burning up his line, asking yeah. to fight Roman Delizze. And reciprocally, when he's doling out that name, I don't think you're going to get a lot of bites. By the way, Clay Guida was fishing on fight day, and I mentioned it on the broadcast. And so as the broadcast continued after his win, he texted me a picture of the fish he caught, you know, back of hotel on fight day. A little, little, little monster, little fucking sea monster. No, it wasn't a sea monster, but it was uh, a nice big fish. That's so, awesome, man. Dude, this Roman Delizze, though, no head coach. And the reason he was able to take this fight is because he stayed in Vegas to help Sergey Spivak prepare for Derek Lewis in a fight mm. that did not materialize. But sometimes for guys, visa issues and other things, he always goes back to Georgia after his wins. And he had gone home or he had not gone home because of this circumstance with Spivak's fight. And uh, he's got Spivak and Chris Curtis in his corner and got to be motivational for Chris Curtis uh, who fights this weekend. So when I try to spin it forward for guys, I don't always know who's matched up, right? But when you look at some of the guys at middleweight, you know, Sean Strickland and Cannoneer obviously have a main event. Kelvin Gastelum and Nasordini Mavov have a main event. I mean, you could do worse than Andre Muniz and Roman Delizze in a main event, but I don't know Ooh. if you want to pluck one of those guys off. But I mean, my gosh, just that so many. You like that? You like that? Dude, I like that because both those guys, submission dudes, good grapplers. Um, you know, Delizze probably has an edge on power on the feet and stuff like that. But those grappling exchanges, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Do the matchmakers listen to the Anakin Florian podcast? I'm going to say they no. better. They better. I like to say we're the podcast of the, you know, the MMA people, right? Yeah. We've got a lot of fighters who listen to the podcast. We love you all. Andre Muniz, Roman Delizze, hopefully coming to an octagon near you in 2023. All right, today's Ray Longo Minute brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. As many of you know, another night of epic fights nearly upon us. I'm talking about UFC 282. I know a lot of you are going to be throwing down on this one. DraftKings Sportsbook is open. It's the official sports betting partner of UFC. And as usual, we have got an offer for new customers this Saturday. You bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line. On any fighter to win, you get $150 in free bets if they do. And right now, everyone out there can earn up to a 50% boost when you play a same-game parlay on UFC 282. Perhaps you like Patty the Batty Pimblet to hold serve as the favorite against Jared Gordon in the co-main event. Do you think he can get it done inside the distance? Propositions are out there. Jan Bohovic, former light heavyweight champ, but he is the underdog against Magomed Ankalaev, who has won nine in a row. Darren Till back in the role of underdog. He takes on Drakus Duplessis. A lot of different ways to attack the board, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, not now, but right now, use promo code ANIK, A-N-I-K. You bet $5 on a pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code ANIK this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. He's three minutes late. We won't hold it against him. Let's get to the Ray Longo minute. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. 
And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 190 years, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. <laughs> Salute grazie, amigo. Ladies and gentlemen, the venerable Raymond Peter Longo now joins us live. It looks as though he has 22 ounces of cold brew. <laughs> Rough night, Raymond? Trent the cold brew I needed this morning to get up. Uh, Trent the cold brew. <laughs> I like the G Kundo shirt, though. I Very nice. This is an oldie, man. I just I love found it. this. Love it. Gotta love it. Gotta keep growing, Kenny. Hey, yeah. hey, Ray, speaking of oldies, what, what constitutes a rough night for you at this stage of your life? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> well, you said it was a rough night. So uh, what, what constitutes one, a rough night? If I can ask that. Ma- maybe one too many edibles. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> at the wrong time. It happens. It happens. You know? yeah. So pretty early wake up call for the Anakin Florian podcast, you know, as the star of the show, and I hate to bring this to the air. This was not my intention to do so. But if you, you can fire back at Cody and say, hey, man, 1230 would be better. Like I fucking sleep till noon no, and no. we'll accommodate. <laughs> no, definitely not. This is perfect. All I got to do is look at you two guys smiling and I'm up. I'm up. All right. It doesn't sound perfect. Do you set an alarm? Yeah. For what time you set an alarm usually if you don't have to do this stupid fucking show? Maybe 11 or 12. <laughs> that amazing. <laughs> set it for the PM, Kenny. Must be nice. Huh? 11 or 12. He's like, yeah, 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. How that goes, 11 turns into 12, like nothing. <laughs> Just keep pressing that yeah, uh, delay button. button. Yeah, you keep hitting yeah. snooze. Yeah, snooze. Last question on that. What time did you set the alarm for today? 11 o'clock. All right. Maybe not enough time for that 1130 call time for the Anakin Florian podcast, but I digress. So what do you got, like a gallon of fucking cold brew just on standby sitting in the fridge? Fucking uh-huh. guzzle that shit, right? Uh, right? 100, 100%. All right. What do we got? Oh, we got a lot of stuff. How about your uh, boy, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson with Ray Thompson in his corner? Look at these guys still getting it done, huh? Unbelievable. I'll tell you, you give Wonderboy a fight like that, he's good for another 10 years. I really believe that's all he does. That What you saw last night, I think he does every day in the gym, whether it's with an 8-year-old or a 28-year-old. Like, he, that's that's what he does. I got one kid in the gym, uh, Justin Montalvo. He'll take anybody. A beginner, but he knows they just play and they do it every day. And then it becomes if you can't take him out of that rhythm, you're losing the fight. 
It's so interesting. And you were so bullish in terms of his chances as a slight underdog in this fight. And I absolutely give you credit. I mean, we can certainly talk as much as we want about Kevin Holland's approach, but Wonderboy, in a lot of respects, still has got it, even if he, as Ken Flo suggested, maybe is a step slower. But I had said, Ray, earlier on the podcast, and I know you weren't here, that I think he can fight till 45, 46 years old, potentially, if he's fighting one or two times a year strategically, depending on the fight. He did take a lot of damage, though, in this fight. Uh, well, he got headbutted probably once or twice. Uh, he got hit with the right hand. Besides that, yeah, not that that's fair. Not no, that well, I damage. guess I'm just thinking about the orbital right and the uh, the broken hand. But you know, you're yeah. right. You're, wait, you're, oh, did Wonderboy break his hand? Yeah, he broke his left hand, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I didn't know that. But he landed. He, la he landed enough times. He but did. He, he said that when his father tells him to step away right then and there, he's done. And whenever that happens, who knows? But to your point, I really think I think he's got some staying power. I just think you got to keep him away from the singlets. Without a doubt. That's it. Period. So anything else on the main event? Do you have anything on Kevin Holland? I mean, certainly some people are wondering why he uh, why these guys were so congenial, I guess, is neither here nor there. But why when the fight was going on? Didn't Kevin Holland want to grapple and, and win the fight when the fight was there? I think, uh, you know, didn't they have some unwritten agreement? I think, look, they're both nice guys. I think they had it. But for, look, cool. as a co that's a coach's nightmare. If that's what you're asking me, you know, when broadcasters you know, nightmare, too. What was that? Broadcasters nightmare, too. If there's yeah. a gentleman's like when, agreement for the sport. Right. No. Oh. Right. Didn't they? But didn't somebody else do that? A while back, it was like a stand-up war. Look, it was it, 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 IQ-wise, it's not it's not a good thing, but entertainment value, <laughs> I think it hit, it hit pretty well, right? Yeah. I think Chandler kind of does the same thing, right? They they make an, they're not an agreement, but they they're out there brawling. You had two wrestlers, him and Gagey, that you know maybe they did it a little bit, but they they were content on just knocking the shit out of each other. I don't know. What's the question? What be asking me if it was if it's a smart thing to do? No, I think <laughs> we hit on not. all sides of that. I have a lot of different things I want to get to, yeah. so I think that's uh, that's pretty good. All right, so uh, I want to get to Roman Delize. Hey, when Chris Weidman comes back, and I really hope that he can go out on his terms and be back for a fight or two, if not three, right? Um, but one guy I think you guys should avoid at least right now, Roman Delize. I'm just saying that tongue in cheek. I don't know if you froze or you're just stonewalling me, but uh, I think you should avoid Roman Delize. Yeah, John, you might have locked up a little bit. Just repeat that, please. So, did you happen to see what Roman Delize did against Jack Hermanson with that whole calf slicer business? All right, we're having some technical difficulties. Kemflo, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, that's I, think, I think Ray was freezing up. Yeah. What a terrible connection. <laughs> what a terrible connection in New York we got. Cody would like me to discuss TJ Dillashaw's retirement with Ray. I don't know if you saw nothing. that, Ken Flo. Yeah, I, nothing I, I, is right. I did. Ray, can you hear us? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. It kind of um, 
it makes sense, obviously, given the circumstances uh, around what happened and the fact that he would be gone for a very long time. Um, it, it kind of took me by surprise. I was not on social media uh, at all yesterday and, and someone hit me up about it. And yeah, it's uh, pr- pretty crazy um, how quickly it can kind of all end. But uh, I'm sure Ray has more on that. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, but you, you cut out completely. Yeah, don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Don't put that blame on me. I'm not putting no blame on anybody. All right, then. All right, then. Ken Flo can hear me the whole time. No, I'm just messing with you. (laughs) So, I mean, I was trying to say that I hope Chris Weidman comes back and can go out on his terms and fight thrice in the UFC, if not more times, right? But I was sort of saying tongue-in-cheek as a joke, one guy you should avoid is Roman Delidze. I don't know if you saw what he was able to do over the weekend against Jack Hermanson with this calf slicer business and the TKO. But uh, no, I think this guy's a real threat at 185 pounds. And uh, in a division where a lot of guys have had a couple of opportunities against Adesanya, we now have a new champ and guys like Andre Muniz and Delidze. And uh, I don't know. I think 85 is fucking ripe. What do you got? <laughs> Jeez. Kenny, can you help me with him today, please? He's, very, <laughs> he's on fire today. He's very cantankerous today. We have to he slow is, him down. He is I'm smiling. Look up cantankerous. Kenny, am I cantankerous? <laughs> well, no. That's that maybe energetic. Let's say that's oh, uh, energetic. Energetic. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, I get uh, paid no, for my energy. That's what I get paid for. for no, you got you got you got superb energy and a gift with words. I love it. Oh. Um, no, Delezzi, I thought started out his career in the UFC a little slow, but man, is he finding his groove? He looks like he's now he's racked up a couple in a row. I think probably a couple. I didn't even think he was going to win. And, uh, man, I don't know. He's, he's, a he looks like now he's a force to be reckoned with for sure. And that calf slicer was like some old school catch wrestling, Kenny. Yeah. And that was yeah, pretty right. cool. I've seen so, it, you know, like get got into in different uh, positions and that, but the way he hooked it up and stayed with it was pretty bad, man. I do feel a little bit misunderstood by Ray Kenny, right? Cantankerous means disagreeable to deal with, contentious, peevish, uh, a cantank- <laughs> cantankerous, argumentative man. I'm just asking questions here and and, and spoke well, in conversation. Get, it's a different tone today, though. Oh, man. Oh, man. This guy riding me hard, man. I, I, I'm about to come up to Garden City, New York, man. We haven't settled this. See what's oh, up, shit. Uh, all right. So here's the question. So yeah. Sergey Pavlovich, outstanding heavyweight. Yeah. Overwhelming power. I love calling the guys fights. But if you're if you're preparing a heavyweight for a guy like this, obviously, it depends on what heavyweight you have. But. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard not to just fantasize about a fight between Sergey Pavlovich and Francis Ngannou because he's going to go right at him. I mean, there's a zero percent chance if Sergey Pavlovich fights Francis Ngannou that you get Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis, right? Yeah. So if you're training to fight against uh, a guy to fight Sergey Pavlovich, how do you approach, uh, you know, fighting a tractor trailer like that? Uh, but you you said it first off. What you said is key. Depending on what heavyweight you have, right? yeah, that, that yeah, well, means. Right. All that right, say means, you have Tom Aspinall, right? Try to take his ass down yeah. by any means necessary. Yeah, and well, look, you got to look at the fight and see what you know. Look, if, if you got good footwork, you know he's a very linear fighter. So we we don't really know if he gets a slick boxer in there 
how right. he's going to look if a guy can make a miss and, you know, spin him around and, you know, like, again, use his angles. But, uh, yeah, to meet him straight in the middle, I mean, like like you said, who wouldn't want to see him and Engano, right? Because somebody's going down and they're going down quick. Or, you know, I don't think anybody anticipated what happened with Derek Lewis and Engano that first fight, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe – that's what that power does to you. You know, maybe it stifles him too, but it doesn't look that way. It looks like he's he's coming right at you. So I'd love to see that fight. That would be a great fight. See, if I was handicapping Pavlovich moving forward, though, I would like to have more octagon time with which to work, right? Just to yeah. see how maybe he responds to the stool or some recent adversity, which we don't necessarily have. Yeah. Uh, TJ Dillashaw announced his retirement. Cody would like me to get with you on that i don't know why uh you know it's really interesting right i saw him right after the fight and he really seemed firm in his desire to not go out like that but i think at some point you just sort of give in to your body and obviously he abused his in more ways than one and and unfortunately for him that's a big part of his legacy i mean certainly skill for skill heart for heart i have a lot of respect for the legacy uh first ray and then ken flow any thoughts on dillashaw before we uh move on yeah no i listen i think honestly i think it's a smart move i think he's been through a lot of turmoil in the last couple of years <clears throat> and he's probably better off just finding another path in life you know do i think he's successful with one of those ventures so mm. that's what i would stick with but yeah he's put his body through a lot uh he was a champion i don't think he's got anything to prove uh you know he's got to overcome the stigma of how he became a champion which I think affects his legacy, you know, hugely. Uh, but I think, I don't know, I think it's a smart move. I think that's a very smart move. Can flow? You know, it's kind of like what we talked about with with uh, fighters that hang out, ha hang around for too long and they don't get the results they want. I think, you know, for TJ, people are always going to remember him more for the EPO incident and, and that stuff, his last performances, his last couple of performances than what he did prior to that, um, you know, for right. better or worse. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of um, it's unfortunate because he really was a highly skilled fighter, uh, a very yeah, smart fighter who had a great pedigree. But it all can crumble down so quickly, whether it's by some of the unfortunate decisions you make outside of the cage uh, or, you know, an injury. Uh, and he will kind of be remembered from both. Um, yeah, it, it can all crumble down so quickly. So it really is important that, you know, for a fighter, you're making the right decisions inside and outside yeah. of the cage, taking care of your body the best that you can, making the right decisions and taking fights, not taking fights, getting surgeries when you need to and not letting things accrue and build up over time. And now you have this shortened career. I, I think it was the right choice for him, just given the circumstances of what's been going on. He's already been a champion in the sport. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn from watching TJ Dillashaw fights if you're a fighter out there, uh, but there's also a lot to learn of what not to do as well. Yeah, real, really well put. Let me just jump in. I, I agree. It's, it's the situation and the circumstances is why I'm saying I think it's a smart move because like what Kenny said, <clears throat> moving forward, he's lost a couple, and he's always going to be stigmatized for uh, the EPOs. Uh, that would be PDs and or whatever he did, BPO. But uh, and that's it. I think you're better off getting out and hoping people will forget. Just move on with with enough.
of a venture. Yeah. No, I mean, life hits hard. Oftentimes I find myself saying to my wife, you know, one mistake here or there just changes everything. You know, things are so fragile. You know, look at the circumstances in James Krause's life right now, right? As a father of two, just to sort of wow. put that out there. Um, but in terms yeah. really quickly, Kenny, of TJ Dillashaw's perceived greatness and his work ethic, right? At the very least, the medal he showed in beating Corey Sandhagen and coming back, obviously, and getting through all of those tests, right? Does it not at least give him some peace of mind in retirement? Because candidly, like this whole circumstance, you can't quantify how many years it'll take off of TJ Dillashaw's life in terms of the emotional and mental tax that his decisions have have had on himself, right? But I'm just saying, like, at least for him, if yeah. he's looking to lean into something, right, he did prove in coming back against the Sanhagen, whom we all love and admire as a fighter, right? I mean, at least he has that. John, I think that's fair. You know, um, it, it's also how you're able to come back from dealing with adversity. And he showed that he can come back. He can compete clean. Uh, he has the mindset and the skills to beat a lot of people in that sport, even up to this point. With all the wrestling he's done, all the combat sports that he's done over the years, yeah. uh, to see him still compete that well and coming back after all that negativity and, and, and all that adversity, uh, I think is something he can lean on and, and at least be proud of it in that regard. I kind of like this early morning long ago. You know, he's like, how long we going here? How long we going? <laughs> no. We, yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, Fr Francis can't Marshall, Kirk Pellegrino. I'm, I'm going back to it, Kenny. Can't, can't take the <laughs> Francis Fire Marshall made his UFC debut. He's 23 years old. He started taking privates with Kirk Pellegrino at 14. Had a cup of coffee in the ring of combat promotion, Ray. Uh, do you know this Francis Marshall cat at all? And uh, I yeah. don't know if, yeah. And Cody, just lacking patience, just squeezed Ray right out of the shot. I don't blame you, Cody. We're not going to deal with it. We dealt with the tardiness off the top. And here come the minute men, right? Here come all the, oh, this show's about, I fast forward to the Ray Longo minute. Oh, well, you missed a scintillating first 30 minutes of the show then, folks. Fucking scintillating. Oh, man. I want to congratulate Angela Hill. 18 of her 22 UFC fights have gone the distance, including the last nine, which is pretty miraculous. But man, she's a really good fighter. And her husband, Adam, deserves a lot of credit in terms of the skill development. They have left no stone unturned in trying to maximize her career. And she's made a lot of money. I'm happy for her. How about Clay Guida, former Ken Flo victim? immortalized right behind Kenny. As you see, Kenny first busted him up on the feet and then choked him out, forcing him to tap. But how about Clay Guida, Kenny, getting it done against Scott Holtzman? It was a split decision. Oh, hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. <laughs> yeah, very, very disrupted. I'm sure uh, Clay Guida is happy about your description of him getting strangled by Ken Flo for 20 <laughs> minutes. You couldn't just say he lost. You had to go in cantankerous. <laughs> Hey, man, this is the Anakin the... Florian podcast, right? <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. Show. It's unbelievable what Clay Guida has done, man. The, the fact that he's going out there and, and still winning fights, it, it's it's very, very impressive. Um, and did it against a guy in Holtzman who, um, you know, is a, is a tough out. And, and he made some bad decisions at the wrong time and they kind of paid for it. Uh, God, Kenny just takes the spotlight immediately off of himself. It is unbelievable. <laughs> this is the Anakin Florian podcast. Why would we not put over one of the co-hosts? Hey, what is that snap, crackle, pop, rice, krispies right now? 
Is that Ray's connection, Cody? Don't even tell me that's Ray's connection. If that's my connection, I apologize. Are you saying I'm not supposed to be eating cereal right now during Kenny, do you hear that? That's what it sounds. It does. It sounds like you're chewing on uh, Golden Graham. Ray, I love you. We're going to talk to you next week unless you have anything else. Who do you like? (laughs) Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Bohovic. This is... uh, All we we need is... uh, Yeah, I think that uh, Ankalaev is just going to be too much for him. But uh, all we need is a cane to pull me off the uh, the stage right now. Yeah, exactly. Right, my man, well, uh, <clears throat> go get an IV. Go uh, pound that cold brew. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Take it See you, Ray. Thank Take you, buddy. Guys. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. And this week, incidentally, an unmitigated disaster in many respects. Right? <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Congrats oh, to Angela Hill. Congrats to Clay Guida. Congrats to the retiring Scott Holtzman, who I know is a little bit disappointed with how the uh, the swan song went. Michael Johnson against Mark Casey. I'm not sure you saw this deep down the card, but congratulations to MJ still getting it done. jacasey has been a real problem for people of late, and he couldn't get going against Johnson. Jonathan Pierce, I wish he had gotten a post-fight interview. He's won five fights in a row. Man, Darren Elkins, right? I mean, the face bleeds a lot, folks, but... Um, you hate to see it. Natan Levy, I think, is a name to keep an eye on. We mentioned Francis Marshall and uh, and Phil Rowe over Nico Price. Happy for him in Orlando. He did miss weight, but a big moment for uh, for Phil Rowe. All right, we got to get to our UFC 282 selections. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. I finished fights. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Bry, Brian Petrie at Brian Petrie MMA, host of the MMA Takes podcast. Yes. I mean, what's a host to do with that Ray Longo jo- there? When, when the popping started, John, I'm an audio guy, right? So when the popping started, I was like, John's about to fuck. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> you handled it well because it was very distracting. Um, but that, that was, that was just gold right there. Cause I mean, it's Ray. So it's funny, but I'm the bad guy, right? This is my personal life as well. I'm always the bad guy. Somehow, some way I'm the fucking yeah, bad guy, right? That's how it works. Yep. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> uh, All right. So, um, before we get moving on here, Bri, I know you had an active board for, uh, the UFC fight night in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, any tickets that you're particularly proud of or anything you want to talk about from last week before we yeah. uh, get to the pay-per-view? Yeah, so I give out a, a parlay. I missed the parlay by one fight, but then I have a lock parlay. I give out three locks on my on my card. I give a dog a send him home, which I actually stole from you, John. I apologize. And then a um, and then a mortal lock. I cast that, and then I hit RDA by sub. I just had a really good feeling that's what he was going to do. He's going to take uh, Barbarine down, who hasn't been subbed since 2010, but he hasn't fought anybody like RDA, right? And in RDA, he's not going to do the fucking you know Homer Simpson punch him till you break your hand. He's right. going to take him down and sub him. And it, it was a masterclass by. Rafael dos Anjos, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was that. So that, I, I kept it really short, short card for me because I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to be spending a lot of money in Vegas this weekend, so I just kept it uh, kept it a little short. But I did hit some plays, so that's good. <clears throat> so Kenny, when I suggest that it's like a jujitsu training camp for Rafael dos Anjos, do you think that like the big focus for him and Andre Pedernaris there, real quickly, is? In that matchup, right? Like that, we're gonna. This is the strategy. We're just gonna simultaneously whatever it takes, right, to get the fight there, and thereby, like they do, 
not significantly per se, but a lot less striking than maybe they would. They talked about like he's doing these abbreviated four to five week training camps right now. And I just got to think, I mean, he's got the striking repetition. He's fucking probably striking in his sleep. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, man, jujitsu all day, fucking grind, take him down, fucking choke him out. No, that no. was the clear that was the clear path, John. Uh, I think that if you're talking about approach and playing it safe and playing to your strengths and exposing the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of your opponents as you should be uh, approaching it, that was the smart that was a smart approach. I think this is boding well for him, especially given his age and his experience level at this point. And uh, clearly, it worked out. I love it. I like when a minus five forty favorite. And I have a lot of respect for Barbarina, of course, mm -hmm. but I like when a minus 540 favorite. And good on you. What was the price on the submission ticket? It was like plus 320 is what I got it on draft. Yeah, that's, wow. that's crazy. Just because awesome. Barbarina hadn't been, you know, he hadn't been tested in RDA. Yeah. As good he is, as he is, you don't really see it. I mean, I think his last submission was maybe Magni, at least at 170. Yeah. Yeah. Andre Pedernaritz is a gangster. All right, so Santiago Ponzinibbio at UFC 282 was to face Robbie Lawler. Instead, it will be the great white Alex Morono who steps in, and they'll fight at a catch weight of 180 pounds. So we're not going to pick that fight here today as part of the main event challenge. I will say I, I feel for Ponzinibbio. He's been looking for that big-name opponent and big-name fight, and uh, it goes yeah. away here during fight week. I did text him, and he said it's part of the game. and seems to be handling it well. All right, we're going to begin with a prelim that is actually the one that is getting Brian Petrie to Las Vegas to see his guy, Chris Curtis. Yes. Chris Action Man Curtis. Why? I want to talk to you about the nickname. Why yeah. do we not, A, put it on the front, and B, sure. add a V? It should be the Action Man Chris Curtis. You're it right. It should be Chris Action Man Curtis. I need you to talk to him about I this. I will. If, if you agree with me. I do. And can affect change with him. I will get it done for broadcast. Don't you agree or no? I, I do. Um, they all, not they, Chris Smith, who was a gym member who sat, suddenly passed away, RIP. He was Slaughterhouse, not the Slaughterhouse. Dom Steele had his own nickname and then Chris went Actionman. I think the Actionman's great. But when I first met him, when I first started training him, it was the King of Combat. That was his nickname then. And he still kind of goes by that time to time. We got to iron out the nicknames. I 100% agree with you, John. All right. Well, I am adding the king of don't don't tell too many people about King of Combat. Yeah, king of Combat. <laughs> we'll put that on the broadcast. I believe that was before he got verified right on, now. Verified on Instagram. That was his Instagram handle. Was the King of Combat? The, and the King of Combat, Chris Curtis. I mean, yeah. that sounds sounds almost better. Yeah. <laughs> but unless like, Action Man was somebody yeah. who existed, some superhero that I'm not aware of, that you yeah. want to put a put a, a, an article on the front of. Right. And he's like, guys, really? Can we move on? But <laughs> the action man, Chris yeah. Curtis, Chris action man, Curtis. All right. Yeah. First pick for us is going to be Chris Curtis. Entrenched as the plus 130 underdog here in a prelim matchup at middleweight against New Mansa, Joaquin Buckley minus 150. If you missed Joaquin Buckley's appearance on Bilal Muhammad's Remember the Show right on this channel, you may want to check that out. Maybe the best guest they've ever had. Next to the guy who's with him there, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Ninth UFC appearance for Buckley. Five and three in those starts here. Brian Petrie, I know you'll have a small ticket on yeah. your guy, Chris Curtis. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I'm like a detective solving a crime. I feel like I got pictures and red string going all over the place. I've been studying Buckley since this fight got announced. You know, I'm all in. Christy Action Curtis, good friend of mine. If you don't know, we trained together. He saved my life, blah, blah, blah. Great guy. I'm going to see him for the first time in a long time since he actually did my podcast. He was like the first guest in my podcast. Anyway, um, he's 7-1 when I'm in the building. I've seen him fight eight, live, uh, eight times live 
The only loss was to one immeasurable Bilal Muhammad in Valparaiso, Indiana, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So basically what I'm saying is Hakeem Buckley's fucked because I'm in the building. He's easy going to be fucked. Uh, but no, I love the matchup for Chris because Chris is a little undersized for 85. He's not the biggest guy. He's bricked up, but so is Joaquin Buckley. They're the same height. They're listed at 5'10". I don't think they're 5'10", but this is a good matchup for me. He's coming off the loss over Jack Hermanson, and it was a frustrating loss. He he, he lost a little bit of emotion. You know, his emotions got the best of him. Hermanson had a really good game plan, and it, it kind of just kind of fell apart on him there. And then right after the Rivera fight, though, Buckley called out Chris after spending weeks training with him in Vegas. And Chris was like, what? Like, so I know Chris has a little bit of a chip. I know there's been some talks that no one's shooting for takedowns, which in 38 pro fights, I don't think Chris has shot for one takedown. I mean, you could fact check me, but I'm pretty sure it's not. But it's simple. I think Chris is cleaner. Joaquin Buckley's big actions. Everything's big with him. And Chris's vision, defense, and boxing is very, very clean. I like him to kick a little more. I don't want to get too emotional because he got really emotional in the Ray Cooper fight, and it's the only time he's ever been knocked out. Hakeem Buckley does have big knockout power. But when you see him fight a really clean striker in his last fight against Imanoff, he tends to be able to get red because of the big actions, the big power. Everything's coming big. Nothing's super tight and clean. And I think Chris... And with Buckley not being a good counterpuncher, I think Chris is going to be able to, to march forward and, and really put on the show here. He starts slow, so I'm looking for a, a third round finish here. And I'm I, I'm a single unit guy. I don't do over three units mostly. The biggest loss I ever had was six units against Izzy and, and Jan Bohovic. This is a 10-unit play for your boy. I'm putting 10 units on Chris Curtis. I'm all in. He's dog money. I'm so confident. That's the first thing I'm doing when I get the check into my hotels. I'm going to the sports book, placing that bet. Uh, drinks on me, boys. Chris Curtis all the way. Four figure bet on Chris Curtis yep. for his guy, Brian Petrie, or excuse me, for his guy, Chris Curtis. I like both of these guys, Kenny. Action man, 29 and nine overall as a pro. Your thoughts on him here is the dog against Joaquin Buckley. I think this is going to be an interesting fight. Um, I think for me, the difference is going to be footwork. And I think that's where Chris kind of struggles a little bit. He's a little flat footed. He's not light on his feet, uh, tends to kind of move in straight lines a little bit. And what I've seen from Joaquin Buckley is much better footwork. He circles well. He knows how to get in and get out. And he knows how to maximize what he has as far as skills. I think it's going to be a very close fight. I don't see Buckley knocking out Curtis, uh, but I do uh, agree with Brian that in some way you know, Curtis could finish Buckley. However, but um, I, I just don't see it happening. I think Chris needs to get into range first. And I just don't see that happening repeatedly uh, where he's able to trap Buckley and land the big shots. Um, I, I think Buckley's going to be a little bit faster as well. Uh, so I, I like Buckley here. I think it's going to be close. I think it goes to decision. Uh, give me Joaquin Buckley here. I love it. You have to double your bet. 2K. On I'm going to have to now. The comments are Kenny. Kenny and I agree too much. Not now. He went against my guy. <laughs> See, Kenny has that like lav mic now on his shirt. Yeah, he's fancy. That's fancy. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, man. I had to step in my game. It was bad for a little while. All right, next <laughs> fight for us is going to be a heavyweight prelim. The featured prelim at that, at least as the card stands right now. Biggie boy, Jarzinho, Rosenstrike, minus 170. Chris Dawkins, plus 145. We'll see if uh, Dawkins can pick up the Dawkins brothers after Kyle lost over the weekend. Speaking of Chris, the heavyweight, he's been humbled in two straight by contenders Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. That came after he started 4-0 in the UFC with as many knockouts. On the other side, 
His opponent has started 4-0 in the UFC with as many knockouts as well, but tough times for both guys. They both made a win, Bri. Which way are you going mm-hmm. here? Rosenstrike the favorite, Dawkins the underdog. Yeah, I agree with you. They both need to win. The, the heavyweight division is pretty wide open, and, and they and the, it's a thin division, so they keep fun fighters around, right? Chase Sherman's on the roster because he, he's a fun fighter. Now, Rosenstrike has laid some eggs out there, right? He, he has all the tools and the power, but sometimes he goes out there and it's a little flat. I think he's coming out and going for Dawkins' head. Dawkins' chin's been cracked the last two times out. I don't know how you don't go out and be aggressive with a kickboxing record against a guy who's probably going to try to grapple you. Dawkins has an advantage on the ground, but how good is his wrestling? You know, I know he's a black belt. What he needs to do is he goes in the closet, grab the black belt in the back of the closet, dust it off because he's going to need it for this one because Rosenstruck's power, it, you don't even have to hit you cleanly to hurt you. And with the confidence level of Dawkins right now, I'm, I'm a little worried about it getting slept, but he's been slept by two really good guys. So maybe he's not too down on himself. I don't know how mental tough he is. This is the where I was going to take a dog shot because I really don't like Rosenstruck all that much, but uh, you know, it's heavyweights, little gloves, little punches. I don't know how good Dawkins is wrestling is. Uh, I'm going to go Rosenstruck by KO, but I'm, I, I don't love it. Kenny Jarzino Rosenstrike, as I mentioned, started 4-0 in the UFC since he's lost four of six. Stopped by Alexander Volkov in round one. That was his last fight, June 4th. And what was his fourth UFC main event? But yeah, I think Rosenstrike, you kind of got to go balls to the wall and mm-hmm. uh, you know try to knock Dawkins' head off. What do you think about the heavyweights, kid? Yeah, he's got to do something. And, you know, Dawkins is is probably in a tough place, too. But we got to talk about Rosenstrike. He's in a tough place as well. You know, lost uh, his last two fights. Uh, hasn't gone well for him. Uh, I think that, um, you know, he has shown toughness in the past, you know, especially against Curtis Blades, who is a tough matchup for anyone in the heavyweight division. Uh, and I couldn't agree more with Brian. Dawkins has to go out there and take him down. Uh, is he a great wrestler? I don't think so. But is he good enough to take Rosenstrike down? I think so. <laughs> so I, I think that he's got to play it smart here, has to pick and choose when and where he strikes with Rosenstrike. Um, I like him in the underdog spot here. Nice. Uh, take him down and uh, and look for a win on the ground, Chris. Love it. All right, next up, huge fight at featherweight. I think I actually got chills a little bit. Uh, this one's on pay-per-view. 14th ranked Ilya Topuria. Minus 145. Number nine, Bryce Mitchell, the plus 125 underdog on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Toporia really has a way about him and a wisdom that belies his age. He's 25 years old. He's 12 and 0, 4 and 0 in the UFC. Bryce Mitchell's 15 and 1, 27 and 1 combined for these guys, Kenny. Neither man has tasted defeat in the UFC. Something has got to give. Mitchell, Toporia, Flo will leave with you. Which way are you going here with the featherweights? Extremely interesting fight. I love oh. this fight. I'm so glad it's it's come to fruition. Uh, Bryce has been looking for a, a big fight, and I think this is just that. Ilya Topuria is a guy that has shown his toughness in the past. Um, you know, he he has shown that he can come back from adversity. He knows how to deal with that. There are times where I see him a little tentative and he waits and sometimes he needs to get hit um, or uh, rocked to to get back into the fight. Um, You don't want to do that against someone like Bryce Mitchell. Mitchell is a finisher through and through. He's a guy that once he has you hurt, he will take advantage of that. Um, And I I think that uh, Bryce has tools on the ground as well where he can give Topuria a lot of trouble. 
However, I, I think that Topuria, if he goes out there and fights smart, I think Topuria wins this fight. I think he's a little cleaner with his striking. I think uh, his wrestling is good enough to stop some of those double legs or at least adjust over time uh, to Bryce Mitchell's takedowns. I think Bryce uh, is a good takedown artist because of his speed. Um, he's has very good timing. He knows how to get in on your legs. Um, but I don't know. This is, this is the trickiest fight for me on the card. I think mm -hmm. of who to pick, but, uh, I like Ilya Topuria here, uh, to win this fight. I love Bryce Mitchell. I love what he's doing out there. Um, I, and I would love to see him win this fight, but I, I think this is a tough one for him here against Topuria. Yeah, I mean, this. I'm going to keep rolling since John's off the yeah. screen here, but we'll just keep going. Uh, this fight's incredible. I mean, it, I mean, every time, you know, every time I think of Bryce Mitchell, I think of when he gets on the microphone. Every time I get on his microphone, I'm going to say Arkansas. I think it's just the best thing ever. <laughs> you guys couldn't be further from different from each other. There's yeah. a UFC produced video where Bryce Mitchell's feeding his cows and watering his cows, and Taporia's getting his hair cut for the fourth time that week and getting his beard trimmed up. You know, he's a pretty boy that lives in Spain. Uh, I love this fight. And and I think both fighters are really good. Love him, hate him. Bryce Mitchell's a good fighter. He's almost a throwback fighter. You know what I mean? Like, you know what he's going to do, and it's hard to, to stop it. Like, Edson Barboza went in there knowing, I got to stop this guy's takedown. I'm going to demolish him on the feet. Got dropped on the feet and then just couldn't handle him on the ground. Taboria, though, is that if you ask him on my Twitter, Taboria is... He's already the champion. They love this guy. They're looking at this low number. They're loading up. I'm not surprised if he gets higher here as the fight week goes on because he has all the talents. He's 25 years old. He's been impressive. Greco-Roman background. Kind of has trained all over. Was in Georgia, now in Spain. But I'm, I question, is he drinking his own compliment juice just a little bit too much, right? And that could be a good thing because then you can get this air of invincibility. You're a young guy. You can go, hey, I'm untouchable. Or maybe he thinks he's untouchable, and then he's going against a guy named Bryce Mitchell who's going to come in there and ruin all that. Um, Tapori is better on the feet. I think he's more powerful. I think he's faster. I think he's explosive. He does have a good Greco-Roman background. Um, with that being said, he should clean up in round one, and we should go have drinks by, you know, by the main event, right? No, wrong. That's a wrong because this is MMA, and intangibles matter. And I think Bryce Mitchell is going to go in there with his camo shorts and I think he's going to push a pace that Tapori doesn't like. I think it's going to be a very scary first round for Bryce Mitchell. And then uh, when Taporia meets meets that second round, if he survived a lot of the onslaught that Bryce brings, the pressure, the wrestling, the, the grappling, and just the overall cardio, because Bryce's cardio is elite, um, we'll see what kind of fighter he is because everyone's already crowning him as the next champ at 145. With that being said, I'm going Bryce Mitchell. I'm locked in on him. I've been bouncing back forth all week. I think Taporia is highly skilled, but... I'm going to go old school Bryce Mitchell for decision win. I don't think there's going to be a finish here. Uh, I think it's going to be a decision win. All right. Sorry. I'm on my phone for the rest of the show. My Wi-Fi just went at my house. So bear with me. Whatever it takes to get the rest of the show in the can, fellas. Yeah. Uh, middleweight, Drakus Duplessy, minus 165. Darren Till, plus 140. Till back for the first time in more than a year. He was submitted by Derek Brunson September 2021. Uh, his opponent here, the South African, pretty violent BP. Who do you have here? Yeah, so I'm a Darren Till guy. I'm a big supporter, and we have fallen on hard times. People have jumped off the bandwagon after the Derek Brunson fight. Darren Till looked a lot of shape. He looked injured. He fought. It seemed like he fought for a paycheck. 
um, which isn't good. And that's the ego of him. That's the confidence that I love. But he's been spending a lot of time in Sweden. I know he finished his camp in Tiger Muay Thai and Muay Thai. And those are gyms that you don't go to half-assed. You got to work at those gyms. You got to be in shape. So I'm banking on that he's in shape for this because I am a till ride or die. Just, uh, Justice Duplessis, which I fucking nail, boys. Uh, this guy's a killer. He has split fights with Roberto Soldich, who, if you ask the hipsters in MMA, this guy's the best 185 in the world. I think he's very good. I don't think he's better than Izzy. But if you ask the hipsters out there, oh, we love you know, Soldich. Um, either way, he's got split wins, you know, split fights over him. And Duplessis is a very good fighter. He's a killer. He mixes everything up well. He could have three finishes in the UFC if fucking Tavares wasn't so tough. Knock Tavares around a lot. This guy has power. Problem is, he rushes in a lot. I, I see him blitzing a lot, head up a little bit. And I just feel like Darren Till's piston of a left hand can catch him. Now, Till's not the best finish in the world. He's hurt a lot of people and hasn't been able to put him away. But this is the guy who went five competitive rounds with Robert Whitaker in kind of a striking chess match where they both dropped each other. That's the Darren Till I need here. The guy that's not willing to get taken down and accept the ground position. This is what I need Darren Till here. And I'm a Darren Till guy, so I'm going to go for my wallet's sake. I hope he's motivated. And I hope he's uninjured because I'm going Till by decision. Yeah, and all right, Cancel, what do you have with the middleweights? Yeah, Brian, I think that's a great breakdown. I, I think the other thing for me is what has Darren Dill done since his last fight? Has yeah. he identified his weakness of the grappling skill and improved that tremendously? He's been training with Hamza Chimaev. He's been going over Sweden. He's been training in uh, Thailand. I, I know there's a bunch of Russian wrestlers, Dagestani wrestlers yeah. that are over there. I hope he's working with those guys because for me, that is how he wins this fight. If he's able to keep it on the feet and control the pacing against Duplessis, who not the most technical fighter, but man, he will throw everything yeah. at you all the time, nonstop. Um, so just puts his foot on the gas and he can beat up a lot of guys just based on that alone. Uh, so I, I think Darren's the more technical fighter, but it all comes down to his ability to stop the takedown uh, and, and and counter Duplessis as he rushes forward. Brian, I agree with you. I think he rushes yeah. forward. That's where he's got to take advantage of that um, and control the pace. So I like Darren Till. I haven't lost faith in him yet. Uh, I, I agree with you here. This time, we agree. Darren Till. Let's go. All right, co-main event at lightweight. Patty the Batty Pimblet minus 230. Jared Gordon plus 195. Jared Gordon, since I sent the line to you fellas, can now be had plus 215 and higher depending on where you shop. 12th UFC appearance overall for Flash. He's won three of four. Patty Pimblet, 3-0 and in the UFC. He's won five straight overall. Brian Petrie, your thoughts on the co-main event? Yeah, so a lot of people, MMA purists, are getting a little upset that Patty got the co-main event. Shut up. This guy's electric, right? This is what they want. Like, is he going to be a world champion? I don't know. But he is a fun guy to watch inside and outside the cage. Co-main event bump, I love. Now, I got to tread lightly because I know Jared Gordon is close friends with Blau, who's a very close member. Of, he's a part of this channel. And uh, I love Blau, right? Um, and Jared Gordon seems like a great guy, everything he's been with. So, so I'm going to tread lightly, but I just, I got to call it like I seize it. And I think Patty KOs him. Four out of five Jared Gordon losses come from KO. I think Jared's going to want to take Patty down and use that smothering ground game because that's how Patty has lost in the past. 
off his back hasn't been great, but as Kenny pointed out the last time we broke down a Patty fight, he's in San Diego working with Justin Flores. He's fixing those things. And Patty, even though his striking is a little herky-jerky for me, his chin's in the air, his kicks are good, and he's explosive. He does have power. Regardless of how bad it looks or not how great it looks, there's power there. So sorry, Bilal. I'm going to go Patty by KO probably early, and it's a fight I'm looking to play myself. And that's another reason why uh, Brian Petrie's going to Vegas. See Patty Pimblett fight live. Darren Hill right, as well. Right. Uh, Kempfo, what do you uh, this is a very interesting fight. I, I do think there's a lot of value in Jared Gordon, Jared Gordon and his ability to uh, potentially stop those takedowns and smother Patty. I, Patty can knock him out. I, I think that his, his speed is going to be significant over Jared Gordon. And Jared's not the fastest guy, and sometimes it takes Jared a little bit to get into it. Sometimes it takes Patty a little bit to mm-hmm. get into it in round one. We've seen Patty have some, you know, struggle a little bit early, uh, but then once he gets his rhythm, man, he's tough to stop. Um, I, I think if I'm Patty Pimblin, I'm looking at that Grant Dawson fight. Um, I, I'm looking at uh, that fight to see and find a way to beat Jared Gordon. I think if he can get around to the back of Jared Gordon, that's where he can win this fight. Um, so look for some scrambles. Look for the takedown. Scramble to his back. Hop up on there and uh, and look for that rear naked choke. Um, so, yeah, but if Jared's able to stop the takedowns and get on top, I think Jared wins this fight. So I, I, I do think there's value on Jared. I think Patty's speed and his ground game will most likely be the difference. I'm not sure if he gets the finish. Um, but uh, he shouldn't let Jared hang out uh, for for too long because Jared mm-hmm. tends to get stronger as the fight yeah. goes on. So, um, but I'll, I'll take Patty here as well. Very excited to see it all play out. And finally, main event for the undisputed UFC light heavyweight title: Magomed Ankalaev looking to capstone his winning streak with a UFC light heavyweight title. He's won nine in a row. Modest two forty five. Former champ Jan Bohovich plus two hundred five. As you guys know, Bohovich did get that win over Alexander Rakic, serving to position him for this fight that was to be the co-main event. Now it is for the undisputed UFC Light Heavyweight Championship. We will see if Bohovich can become a two-time champion here. Brian Petrie, we will start with you. You go with the favorite or the dog in the UFC Light Heavyweight title fight this weekend. So being in the buildings for Vegas, my first ever Vegas fight, uh, I am sad that I'm not getting Yuri Glover too because that's my fight of the year. And I want to see a legend like Glover he's not having any more left. But however, I think this is a great new main event. I think, you know, we've all been praising Ankalaya for a while. He's the next one. He's the next guy. And he's getting a former champion of Blahovich who's a grinder. I mean, this guy, if you're a struggling UFC fighter right now, you got to look at Jan Blahovich's career early on and be like, this is a motivation for me. This is all you got to do is work your ass off and get there. This guy was two and four at one point over six fights. No one thought he's going to be champion, and he became champion. And he's looked good. He looked good against Alexander Rakic. He looked like his boxing, which is Israel Adesanya described it as herky jerky, a little off timing. It works for him. Um, but, you know, I have underestimated Jan for a long time. And, and I guess I might be doing it here because this is about as close as a lock as it gets to me with Ankalaev. I think Ankalaev is head and shoulders above everyone besides maybe Yuri in this division. I think his wrestling is on point. I think his striking is on point. My only critique of him is he's had a couple dud main events. He had three main events where that, you know, especially the Tiago Santos fight, were like, do more. You can do more. And I know Tiago Santos got bricks for hands and you got to be able to play a little safe. But then he comes back and finishes Anthony Smith. Um, listen, I, I, I like Ankalaev here. I mean, I, I'm seeing the board well, folks. I'm seeing the board well, boys. And I think Ankalaev is, 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 is a close to a lock as I got here. 
Um, I think he could finish him late. Jan is extremely tough and durable. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to touch the props. This is a parlay piece for me. I'm going to go Ankalive. All right, pretty convictedly at that, Kempflo. What do you have for us on the title fight? So, Ankalaev has had some duds, mainly because he's not the guy who exposes himself. He doesn't go out there and, you know, throw caution to the wind and just start throwing wildly. He's very calculated with every single thing he does. And I think that's extremely important in this fight because Jan would take advantage of someone like that. Jan will take advantage of mistakes. That That's where I think Jan really uh, shines. Um, and I don't think he has that here against Ankalaev. And I don't think he's got the wrestling advantage here either. With Ankalaev, uh, Ankalaev can win this fight by uh, striking. And I think he can win this fight by outpointing you, taking you down, controlling the action, controlling the ground game, taking away a lot of the submissions of Jan Bohovic. So for Ankalaev, I think that... Um, you know, I, I see him winning this fight. I think there's some value in Bohovic. I just don't see Ankalaev making major mistakes or even maybe little mistakes that Jan Bohovic is able to expose. So I like Ankalaev here. He's going to be a guy that is going to be very difficult to beat. I've been watching him for a very long time. This is a very intelligent and, and skilled fighter. All right, we'll see where it closes. Bri, I appreciate your patience today and uh, have a great yeah, week. And at least for a handshake, if nothing else, brother. Absolutely. I'll see you, boys. All right, there he is, Brad, great with us for the main event challenge. All right, I'm doing the podcast on my phone for the first time in 375 episodes. But before we go, we got to do the marrow seconds here, see if somehow Cody has a uh, an NFL prediction or any great insight. You got any bonus information for us? I know Sergey Pavlovich won a bonus. Stephen Waterboy Thompson and Kevin Holland were the fight of the night. I'm curious who got the other performance bonus. Probably had to be Roman Delizze, right? With that calf slicer, TKO. Good to see you, by the way, Cody. Good to see you as well. Good to see you as well. I'm chasing up this info for you. The Pavlovich with the performance of the night and Roman Delice with performance of the night. You're correct. Standing. Roman, don't come to my house, buddy. I, 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 it's all good. Uh, all right, Cody, what do you have, kid? I know. That's the last guy you'd want showing up to your uh, Christmas dinner, huh? Uninvited? I mean, you take a seat, uh, right? Take, take a seat at the head of the table. He's invited. Uh, so my NFL picks, John, I'm back. I mean, I'm, I've been making some moves, right? Like I texted your brothers unofficial pick was on the Pats two weeks ago. And that hit the official pick that I put out was on the lines on Thanksgiving that hit. Of course it did. So we're, we're running on a nice hot streak here. We're, you know, making some moves. And I get my new Red Sox. hat. I got this at Logan airport. Last time I was back, sat on the tarmac for two and a half fucking hours. So if you work at Boston Logan airport in the jet blue department, Fuck you. Jeff Blue is the problem with all due respect. I like Jeff. I, I was watching the Packers uh, versus Eagles on a little six by six screen. It was a great, it was a great time. Yeah. Always delayed TV works half the time. Uh, what do you have for us? Uh, so just a couple of notes from the MMA space. Uh, Cameron Simon, Simon, am I saying that correctly? He looks like a Dragon Ball Z name. Uh, he makes his UFC debut this weekend. He's the protege of Drake's Duplessis. Which I think is pretty interesting. I mean, he's not that old, right? We're at that stage now where, like, um, there was photos of him at Duplessis' fights when he was like twelve. So we're in that stage of fighter where it's just like, if you're making the UFC, you know, like an Aaron Blanchfield, like you started doing this at ten years old. You know, it wasn't Kenny picking this up for fun at seventeen. You know, trying to get some money down at the local uh, Dover Forum. <laughs> I'm 21 years old, nickname MSP. So we got GSP, and now we have. 
be. But yeah, born December 20th in the year 2000 and making his debut this weekend against, how about this nickname, Ready? The guy he's fighting also making his debut undefeated. They're both 6-0. and But Stephen Obi-Wan Shinobi the Pillow, right? Oh, that's good. He used to just be Obi-Wan Shinobi, and then he added the pillow to it. So now he's uh, Obi-Wan Shinobi the Pillow. Well, and you know what the best thing about that is, is you're on Disney. So you can say that if you're on any other promotion, like you can't, you get copyright flag for that. You can't say that. Well, there you go. Uh, one last point of the MMA news before we get to the football pick that everyone's waiting for. Uh, wishing Dustin Poirier a speedy recovery from a nasty staph infection. Uh, he's in the hospital right now, you know, dealing with this. I'm showing it on the screen. Uh, wishing a speedy recovery to him. And then of course, you know, because Dustin and, Connor uh, have their uh, great friendship. You know, Dustin or Connor offered some nice words. So I want to just bring that up here. Uh, he'll up soon, scruffy knickers. And that, of course, uh, led to a little back and forth between Connor and Poirier. Uh, I couldn't find any live lines on that. But what's your guys' appetite for that to seeing another Connor Poirier fight? Well, I guess I'll lead. I would like to see a fresh fight for Connor. We've seen that three times. Certainly one of them was back in 2014, but I would like to see a fresh matchup for both guys. I don't know how Ken Flo feels about it. I mean, I'll, I'll still show up and call a fourth meeting, but I'd like to see uh, something fresh. I don't think that's a fight that we need to see for the next one. Uh, it is something that um, I think is interesting for, for a fight later on down the line, but uh, not, not for Connor's first fight back off the injury. No. Yeah. Well, I can't help but agree with you there. I would love to see a new fight. The last one closed. Connor was a plus 105, Poirier minus 140. Got to think if that fight happens again, Poirier's deeper, minus 200, minus 250, you know, especially not given that, the injury. Not that high. No? No way. It'll get well, right. That, that's okay. You're contractually obligated from discussing this anyway. So, uh, so last point, of course, is the NFL cover, the NFL pick of the week. Everybody's money making. Kenny has actually paid for True's entire college fund with my picks by fading me. So, you know, good on you there. Uh, the pick for me this week is going to be the Bengals minus six against the Browns. I didn't think that the Browns were playing well at all. The Bengals look like they're hitting all cylinders. Joey Cool looks like the best QB in the NFL. He smoked uh, the Chiefs on Sunday when what was a closer game on paper than it was actually in person. So I think the Bengals are going to pull it out on Sunday. That's the pick. All right. I like it. I think Cincinnati's a team to ride going forward. All right. Thank you guys for uh, indulging us. We're back next week. Big episode as we recap the final pay-per-view of 2022. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Brian Petrie, our producer, Cody Merrill. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. We'll talk to you in less than seven days. Appreciate you watching, listening, subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Your dad. Maybe your brother, your boyfriend, girlfriend. Go later.
Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.